I'm just going to try to edify everybody, build everybody up. Times are tough. Life hits people in different times and different places, and it knocks us all down. And we all need somebody to pick us up from time to time. So, and I want to pray before we before we start in the, into the sermon. But um, if I had to title this sermon, title it uh, "Press On, Pursue the Prize." All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so very, very much, Father. I thank you for this uh, this time to gather together on your Sabbath day, Father, that you uh, that you proclaimed a long time ago. Father, you set these dates apart that we might gather together, that we might worship and fellowship with you and fellowship with uh, like-minded believers, Father. I'm so thankful for the time. I'm thankful for the uh, the knowledge that you've given me and the the strength to carry on and to, to push on when times are tough and things don't seem to go our way. Father, I just pray that you'd let this message encourage somebody today for this is what we what we teach for or what we speak for is that we may encourage and edify the body. So, Father, I pray that you'd let the ears be be um, for this to pass through people's ears today, and that that they'd be encouraged, Father, and that um, that they would grow in you and grow in your Son, and that through their um, through their ministry, their own personal ministry, they'll glorify you, Father. We love you so very much, and we're thankful for all that you've done. We're thankful for your precious Son and the blood that was shed for our for our account, Father. We ask all this in His holy name. Amen. If you will turn turn with me to uh, Philippians three. Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a protection for you. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of the Almighty. We boast in Christ Yeshua and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once had confidence in the flesh too, if anybody else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, and as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, and as to the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Yeshua, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things, and considered them filth, so that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from the Almighty based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal. Or am already fully mature, but I have every I I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Yeshua. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by by Yahweh's heavenly call in Yeshua. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way, and if you think differently about if you think differently about anything, Yahweh will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of, cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God, their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Yeshua. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. All right, that's chapter 3. All right, Paul's, Paul's writing here to the church in Philippi, and this entire letter is just one of encouragement from Philippians 1 to the end of Philippians 4. And real quick, I'd like to point out some of the encouraging words throughout the book of Philippians. And I'm, I'm just going to read these. If you want to write them down, I'll go through them a little bit slow. I'm going to read them. You write them down. Go back and read this stuff at home. And, and uh, read the whole book of Philippians. It's really a beautiful book, and it's encouraging to you. But in the first chapter... In, the, in verse 6, Paul says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In verses 9 and 10 of the first chapter, he says that I pray you will keep growing in love and knowledge and discernment so that you can be pure and blameless in the day of the Lord. And in verse 27, he says, Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the second chapter, in the third verse, he says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Consider others more important than yourself. Just as Yeshua did when he took on the form of a slave and humbled himself even to the point of death, as it says in verse 7 and 8. In chapter 2, in verse 13, Yahweh, it says this, Yahweh works in us, enabling us to will and to act for his good purpose. Praise Yahweh. He stirs up the spirit in us to do his will. And in chapter 4, in verse 4, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. In verse 6 and 7, he says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request known to Yahweh, and the peace that surpasses all thought will guard your hearts and minds. And in verse 8 in the fourth chapter, he says, Whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, to dwell on these things. And finally, in verse 12 and verse 13, he says, I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have a lot, but the secret of being content is that we are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This entire book of Philippians, or a letter from Paul to the church of Philippi, is chock full of exhortation and encouragement. And I strongly urge you to go back and read the entire book. But for now, I just want to go back to, um, go back to chapter 3, and we're going to focus in on verses 3 through 14. And uh, I'm going to kind of exegete a little bit, but not, not too much. All right, let's, uh, let's read verses 3 through 6. Verse 3. For we, are for we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of the Almighty, boast in Christ Yeshua, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once had confidence in the flesh too, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, and as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, persecuting the church, and as to righteousness that is in the law, I was blameless. This is, uh, this is, this is pretty huge. He's kind of he's breaking down just how important, how, how perfect he was by, by lineage and, and how knowledgeable he was in the law and where his stature stood in the synagogues and things like that. And he says... Of all the people have, that have something to boast about, 
I have as much as anybody. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's what we're supposed to. That's what's supposed to happen to the to the people of Israel. You're supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day. You're supposed to be knowledgeable in the law, and that's what he was. And he was as he was as probably as right as anybody was. He says, and as for zealousness, he said all the way. I went as far as persecuting the church because of the way he was raised. You know, the the church was against him, and he said, I was I was that zealous for the law. I went so far that I persecuted the church. Here Paul's listing things from his past that could easily feed his pride. He is of the nation of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin, righteous in the law, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. If anyone has a reason to brag about his accomplishment, it would definitely be the Apostle Paul. But instead he's humble, and he's able to keep things in perspective, and he says these things are a loss, and they're rubbish. Let's look at verses 7 through 9. But everything that was gain, was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also considered everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Yeshua my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them filth, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. In other words, compared to Yeshua and his forgiveness, love, and righteousness, and compared to knowing Yeshua as Lord, anything else that Paul has accomplished or has accomplished, it's a, it's a joke. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything compared to the blood that was shed for, uh, for eternal life. Let's read verses 10 through 11. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Man, if that's not something to look forward to, I don't know what it is. You know, The rest of Paul's credentials, being righteous in the law and a Pharisee, are they're rubbish compared to being found in Yeshua through faith. It doesn't mean anything. We'll move on and read verse 12. Now that I've already reached the goal, or am already fully mature, I'm sorry, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Yeshua. Notice what he says in verse 12. Not, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature. He's not made it. I think for most of us in this congregation, at least some point in our life, especially in this congregation, we have a lot of things right in this congregation, and I'm, and I'm thankful for it. But I know I'm guilty of this. We think that we've reached where we need to be a lot of times, and we're quick to stick that down somebody's throat, real quick to stick down somebody's throat. And, um, and I know I found myself there, and, man, that, that is a terrible place to be. And when you're humbled, it is a hard place to be in, knowing that you, that you once were that way. So uh, we, should, we should definitely work on that. But he's plainly saying here, I'm not, here that, I'm not, I'm not yet there. The Good News translation says, I do not claim that I have already succeeded. The NASB says, not that I have obtained it or become perfect. The J.B. Phillips translation renders it, I do not consider myself to have arrived spiritually. That's pretty powerful coming from Paul, the apostle. He's given you his credentials. That's pretty powerful coming from him. But, but, but Paul knows that he's a sinner, saved by grace. Let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy 1.15 This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Yeshua came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. 
This is Paul speaking in 1 Timothy. He says, I'm the worst of them all, even if he calls himself the worst of sinners. Despite all the things he'd done, despite all his credentials in the law, he makes no claim to being perfect or having yet arrived on his spiritual journey. This is a a common problem with people then and still is today. Remember the Pharisee in Luke 18 and verse 11. The Pharisee took his stand and was praying like, like this. He says, Yahweh, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of everything I get. And then it says, but the tax collector, standing far off, he wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. But he just smote his chest, or he beat his chest, and he says, Yahweh, turn your wrath from me, for I'm a sinner. We should take note of the tax collector's attitude. We have, a, we have a problem to build ourselves up, and we, and we forget just how little and how wretched we are. But, but we should take notice of the, of the tax collector's attitude here and of Paul's attitude. It's so easy for us to look down our noses, you know, that the other struggles that, that people go through, and we, and we you know, say, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that man. We become insensitive to sin and others because we think we're above it. Martin Luther said this, that pride is so deep within us that we must repent of our repentance. Meaning that even our repentance is tainted with pride. Somebody might say, look at me, I'm honest enough to repent of my sins instead of covering things up like you do. Well, sin so deeply ingrained in us that even our confessions contain within them the seeds of our next transgression. But not Paul. He says, I haven't reached the goal. I'm not yet mature. Praise Yahweh for his grace and mercy to allow us to continue to grow and grow in it. We don't deserve it, guys. We don't deserve it. Not a, not a bit. Let's look at a, let's look at the second part of verse 12. If you flipped over, turn back to Philippians 3. Look at the second part of verse 12. It says, but I press on. In other words, I'm striving. I realize my faults, but I'm going to do better. We're all, we're all imperfect. Every one of us sin. Every one of us make mistakes. But I think um, I think the most important part is that we realize that we are we are flawed, we are human beings, and we do make mistakes, and we have to keep on striving. When we get up every day, we have to we have to put on our boots, and we have to we have to put on the armor of the of the Messiah, and we have to go out into the world. And everything that we think about, and everything we do, I know this is hard. It's extremely hard for me. But when you work for a living, and you're in the in the world, it's hard to be. Christ-like every second of the day and everything in your mind has to be Christ-like but that's what we should be striving to do and we will fail every time but we should strive we should strive that should be everything about us when we wake up in the morning our prayer should be how can I serve you today you've been more than good to me what can I do for you lead me in a way that that I may glorify you all right let's uh let's look at verses 13 and 14 it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by Yahweh's heavenly call in Yeshua. And verse 13 tells us how he pressed on, and it's, a t- it's twofold. The first part of it, he says, you have to forget what you left behind. And the second part, by reaching forward to what's, it, what's ahead. In a nutshell, Paul, Paul said, I've not yet arrived spiritually, but I'm still striving. 
to by forgetting the past and pressing forward, pressing on forward, forward towards the future. Forgetting the past, man, that's a hard pill to swallow. Several others has made comments the last during testimony service and past few weeks about forgiveness and harboring grudges and things like that. And it it requires extreme humility to disregard someone's offense against you. But Paul says one thing he does to press on towards the goal is to forget the past. This must have been extremely difficult for him considering all that he went through. Paul was persecuted far beyond anything that I can imagine. Let's look at uh look at second Corinthians eleven. Second Corinthians eleven, let's look at verses twenty three through let's just read the rest of it. Twenty three through thirty three. In verse twenty three it says, Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. With far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, near death many times. Five times I received from the, the Judites forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the depths of the sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the cities, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea, and dangers amongst among false brothers, labor and hardship. Many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and lacking clothing. Not to mention other things, there is the daily pressure on me, my care for all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. If boasting is necessary, I, necessary, I will boast about my weakness. The, the, the eternal, eternally blessed one, the Almighty and Father of the Lord Yeshua, knows I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas guarded the city of the the Messines in order to arrest me, so I was let down in a basket through a through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Paul had quite a bit of trials to overcome, you think? And many, many wrongs were done to him, but he still still says he forgets the past. In order to press on towards the goal, we must forget the past. Consider another biblical biblical example of forgiveness and forgetting the past in the story of Joseph. In Genesis forty well, I guess in several chapters, but you, you kind of get to the end of the story in Genesis 42. But in Genesis 40 through, let's say 43, something like that, Joseph sold into slavery and sent off into Egypt, and his brothers tell their father that you know he was killed, and they bring back the bloody coat. And Joseph lives, and he's raised up by Egyptians, you know, and he and he obtains a high place in the in the land of Egypt, but still. Joseph was sold out from the land of his fathers, put into sla- he was he was cast into slavery, went into imprisonment for for things that he didn't even do, all because because of the I guess the the jealousy of his brothers. He had every reason in the world to hate them. They did everything they could to to make it hard on him, and he had every reason in the world to hate them, but he didn't. He welcomed them back with open arms. I think he got a little bit of funny uh, revenge out of it, but. But at the end, he welcomed him back with open arms and, and told his father to come. And he says, even though you meant it for evil, Yahweh meant it for good. And out of, and out of all that, in Genesis forty-one fifty-one, Joseph even names, he names one of his sons, Manasseh. And it means that Yahweh has made me forget all my troubles. It's a, it's a beautiful thing knowing that you, that you can forgive somebody. And we are capable of doing so. It's just a tough pill to swallow sometimes.
Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians, or you don't have to, I'm just going to read them to you. But 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5 says that love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no records of wrong, so love forgets wrongdoing. That's, that's what that means. It doesn't keep any records of wrong. In Psalms 119, verse, verse 165, it says this, All those who love thy law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. We who keep his law possess a great measure of Yahweh's shalom, or his peace, and it can help us in forgiving and forgetting. If you harbor grudges or can't seem to forgive and forget, pray for Yahweh's peace upon you, and remember to forgive as you've been forgiven. We want to be forgiven, and we must forgive. Let's look at Psalms 103. Do turn to this one, because I'm going to read it. Psalms 103, we're going to read 1 through 18. All right, here we go. My soul praise Yahweh. And all that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul praise Yahweh and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like an eagle. Yahweh executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Yahweh is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and full of faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are just dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, Yahweh's faithful love is toward those who fear him, and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his commandments, who remember to observe his instruction. In verse 13, he says, As a father has compassion on his children, so Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. Man, that speaks volumes to me. We don't deserve compassion. It is in Psalms Psalms right here. He says he doesn't give us what, what we deserve. In verse 10, he says he's not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. That's not fair. We didn't get what was fair. What was fair was to to be destroyed. We're wicked people. We are really wicked people. Think of how vast His mercy is on our life. And uh, focus on His forgiveness for you, even though it's undeserving. All your debts have been graciously canceled when you accept Yahweh's forgiveness. That same measure is extended to you to forgive to others. If you'll allow yourself to forgive and forget, you'll experience relief and freedom in it. And only then will you be able to press towards the goal. As long as we're looking back, it's impossible to move forward. Which was, which was the second part of Paul's pressing on towards the goal. Let's read verse 13 and 14 one more time. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. In verse 14, I pursue, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by Yahweh's heavenly call and Yeshua. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Yahweh has called me. We're to pursue the goal of salvation in Christ. When we think about our personal problems or the problems of the world, there are reasons for all of us to be concerned. But is it any worse 
than what happened to Paul. Living under a pagan Roman emperor, values of the Christian church not even in place, and constantly being persecuted for trying to start the church, and we whine about little things that happened to us. Can you imagine the list of things that he said in Second Corinthians? Can you imagine being whipped and flogged, shipwrecked, drowning in the sea, sleeping without a shelter, being cold every day, being stoned? Can you imagine? And all this he didn't do for his own personal gain, but he did it so that he might further the gospel. Didn't have anything to do with him. He's not getting anything out of it. Not a thing. It's not a job. He's not getting anything out of it, but yet he, he felt so strong about the mission of Christ that he set out, set sail, gets shipwrecked, he gets stoned, all because he loved Yeshua and what he stood for and what he died for. How many of us get up in the morning, get up and say, I don't care what happens to me today. I don't care if somebody beats me. I don't care if somebody fires me. I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care if somebody hates me. I'm going to share the gospel with somebody. I'm going to go talk to somebody about Christ, and I'm going to try to save a soul that's lost. We don't even care about souls, people. We don't care. We don't care about souls. What we care about is whatever is fun for us for the day. That's what we care about. That's what I care about. I know when I'm speaking to me, when I get up in the morning, I think, when I need to go to work because i got to feed my family. So I get up and I get started to work, and somebody will call me, and then I, I get caught up in something that they say, and I'll turn around, and I might be headed in a different direction to do something that sounds pleasing to me, or I'll stop by a gun store because that's what I like to do. You know, something like that, and, and, and pleasing Yahweh and telling somebody about his son and the gospel message never crosses my mind until at night when I get home and I, and I pray and I think, Yahweh, help me to be better. Help me to be something that I'm not. Why am I not that person? Because I don't get up every morning. I don't have the desire that Paul has. I don't have that desire, and we should. We should. And we should pray for that desire, and we should press on. When things get tough and we don't want to read the Bible, read it anyway. Turn the TV off. Pick your Bible up and read it. It's hard. It's hard for me. I, I'm, I'm talking to myself because every night I like the Braves, and the first thing I do is sit on the couch when I get home, flip on, flip on the ball game, and I think, scores 5-3. to three. I like the ball game, but I should be reading my Bible, and you know what I do? The Bible sits over there and collects dust, and I keep watching the TV. That's what I do. That's what I do. And it's a terrible thing that I can't sell out enough. I can't sell out enough to Yahweh to turn a ball game off that's going to be on tomorrow night. They're going to show reruns of it for the next two days. I, I, can't, I can't even do that. I can't even do that. I'm not, I'm not sold out enough to do that. Paul was so much that he was stoned, so much that he was beat, so much that he was shipwrecked, and he didn't get paid for any of it. No, there, was, there was nothing good that come out of it except glory to Yahweh. Why can't we be like that? We should be like that. This has got to be the attitude of Yahweh's, Yahweh's people every day. We should say this, Yahweh, I'm ready to go wherever you lead me, no matter what, no matter where he takes me. And the spiritual life direction makes all the difference. We haven't reached a prize yet, but we should aim our steps in that direction. In Paul's case, and in many of ours, that involves both a sanctified forgetting of the past and a resolute pushing forward towards the, towards the prize. Paul said, I haven't arrived, but I'm still climbing. Forget the past. Look forward towards the future. If he were here today, he'd say, press on. It's not enough to start well, guys. You have to end well. What good is it to build a race car and never put a driver in it? 
or to saddle a horse and not put your foot in the stirrup. You have to start well and you have to finish well. Everybody in here, almost probably everybody in here, would have a testimony of the day they believed that they were converted or when their life started to change or when they were become a new person. Everybody in here could say that. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Yahweh says he'll carry you to completion. Press on. Press on. Be something. Be something for Yahweh. Don't be something for for your friends to look at. And like I said, I'm talking to myself. I'm terrible about this. But don't be something for your friends to look at. Don't be eat up with so much pride that you look down your nose at somebody else. Or even think, for that matter, that you've arrived somewhere in your spiritual journey that you can't be taught anything. Because we can all learn. I have a pretty good bit of knowledge about the Scriptures, but I'm so far from where I should be. And I could be so much farther if I would just direct my attention to the words of Yahweh and get it off mundane, worldly things. Yahweh, he won't leave you guys. He'll never forsake you. I hope this message brought some kind of encouragement to you. Like I said before, go back and read the entire book of Philippians if you get a chance. In the meantime, forget the past. Look forward to the forward to the future. We can't help what happened yesterday. I can't help yesterday. I can't do anything about me turning that ball game on yesterday and not reading my Bible. I can't do anything about it. But I can do better. To, tonight, I cannot turn it on. And I can open this book and I can keep studying. That's what I can do. I can wake up in the morning and I can say, well, last week I spent two hours in the Bible. This week I'm going to spend 20. And even if I don't do it, even if I don't do it, I'm going to fail and I'm going to fall and I'm short every time. But even if I don't do it, I've got to go. I've got a goal, and this week I may do five hours instead of two. And next week I may do ten hours instead of five. We'll get better and better and better until we, until we become callous to the things that distract us, and we'll serve Yahweh with all our heart. Lift up your head, be encouraged, Yahweh's with us. Fear not, guys, press on. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your love and your compassion, Father. I don't know why we can't please you, and I don't know why we don't even care. Father, you are the you are the Holy One of Israel. You are a righteous, righteous King, <clears throat> the one that holds the keys to our eternal decision, Father. And I just I pray that we would uh, we would we wouldn't take it for granted, but take you take you serious. Father, you're so beautiful. Your Son was so beautiful. We're so thankful for you. Help us to not think about what's in our past. Not think about the things that slow us down, but think about what will speed us up, that will help us, that will encourage us, strengthen us, Father, as we walk every day. Father, I pray that you'd instill this, your spirit within each and every one of us that we may wake up in the morning asking you how, how might we glorify you today. Father, and then when you give us the answer, I pray that we'll be steadfast to do it. Yahweh, we love you so much. We're so thankful for your son and the blood that was shed for our sins. Father, we give you praise for him today. We ask all these things in your holy son's name. Amen.